Hello, hello, hello. So before I go into the next episode of the podcast, I'm really excited to announce that the new intake for the Female Fat Loss Program is now open. So it will be starting on the 7th of August. And it's perfect if you are just coming back from holidays and ready to kind of get back into things and the swing of things just before the school starts. So if you are interested in it, so it involves a six-week program, You'll get tailored calories, tailored programs with workout videos. You will have a Facebook group Facebook group to keep you accountable. You'll have me to keep you accountable. You'll have weekly check-ins. You will have weekly lives with me and that will answer your questions and Q&As. And it's amazing. And there's no foods off limits there. We're literally working for a weekly calorie average. So it's an amazing program and the, the, how good it's been since we started, since I started launching it is to say that 50% of those who've come from and that's at this date is that people who started up in June, 50% of those are going into the August one already. So that's saying that it is, and that's that's only halfway through. So those 50% have, have renewed. So that's how amazing the results have been so far. So if you're interested in working with me in a in the female fat loss program starting on the 7th of August, the price is 169. So 169 for six weeks and the the link is in the write-up and we're starting on the 7th of august and everything will be sent over to you the friday beforehand looking forward to seeing you there if you do sign up you won't regret it hey guys and welcome to the next episode of the shane walsh podcast so really really excited for today so it's the the first episode after kind of a bank holiday so i think it's a really really important kind of time for people to kind of be resetting kind of hope everyone enjoyed their their time i think in ireland anyway was a, was a bank holiday over in the uk it's the end of august so that's a little bit different for those the, the, the clients that are involved there and i know the questions that are kind of coming in from clients and from the female fat loss groups so there is another one running starting on the 7th of august which is next week so there's one or two spaces left for that and so i'm keeping the group small because i want to make sure everyone gets me everyone gets the check-ins that they deserve and stuff so it's really really important for us to kind of keep yeah keep promoting that side of stuff so i think this episode is very female health orientated which i think a lot of people do like and and do enjoy so we've kind of got questions in relation to period and bloating and how to manage that which i know i've done episodes on that previously we've got a question on kind of calorie range and what about uh, there's a myth question in there as well we talk about not hitting my zone minutes on my fitbit that side of things which we're going to talk about as well and then there's an amazing question which i think is going to be helpful to an awful lot of people i will also be careful of staying in my lane and that sort of things regarding water retention and heat is it a real thing or not so i'll give a kind of a short synopsis of why that might be happening or not so and the first question realistically is going to be i'm wondering what we do on those days of our period when we feel belly is bloated and cramping and it's harder to work out and we just feel not ourselves or oh it's just is it it's okay to pull back a little without losing any progress right so that's a question it's a great question and it's something that a lot of people and a lot of women are afraid of losing progress at that time of the month when they maybe have to reduce the intensity of their workouts or that have to increase their calories that they're going to put on fat or whatever it may be you're not going to put on fat you may have water retention so we need to first of all understand that like pms is one of those things that women go through on a monthly basis it happens around the time of the month it's generally like the, the, the a few days before the week before in relation to that side of things and it is possible to have a cycle without pms 
I don't think a lot of people have realized that. Sometimes I've heard clients say, I have no irritability, no headache, no cravings, no mood changes, no water retention. And that's amazing to see. And that's amazing to hear. It means that they're listening to their body. Generally, PMS is a sign of the body doesn't feel at balance. So what that actual technical term is a thing called homeostasis. Homeostasis is when the body is at a level, is, is level. It is, at, it's, it's in balance and it feels happy. It feels safe. When the body feels stressed or anxious or overwhelmed or irritable or anger or sad or whatever it may be, the body will, geek, will kind of almost keep the score and will say, right, there's something up here. So that will be a feedback. Generally, if there's PMS or heavy flows or light flows or irregular cycles or last loss cycle, it's generally a sign the body's kind of telling you something and it's important to keep that scorecard. Your cycle is your scorecard. It's really, really essential that you manage to get that sorted. Like your body's telling you something and if you choose to ignore it, it's really, really important that you don't ignore it. It needs to be looked into and why that may be happening. So you need to you need to understand what understand what the actual cycle is. It's generally the kind of like the first two weeks of your cycle are generally when your estrogen is rising up. So it's like your Beyonce hormone to quote Macy Hill. And I would highly recommend getting Macy Hill's book if you want to learn more about um, female health and female hormones. It rises up to the peak of ovulation, which is in the middle of your cycle. So if you have a 28 day cycle, for example, it could be longer, it could be shorter. So if it's a 28 day cycle, it's gonna peak at day 14. And that's when your estrogen, your female hormone or your Beyonce hormone will be at its peak. And then what happens is it decides, it, it, it drops back down for the last two weeks and your progesterone, which takes over and that's your calming hormone. So think of it, your yin to your yang. So if your mood is more irritable or your mood is off, it could be a sign that you're, there's a little bit of an equilibrium issue. So for example, and if you are, you're on the pill, you're not gonna get these natural highs and lows. It's not gonna be the real authentic you. It's gonna, it's the synthetic hormones of estradiol and progestin. So it's not estrogen and progesterone, it's estradiol and progestin. It's not the real hormones. So if you think about it, like estrogen's job is to boost serotonin, which is your, your kind of happy and your happy hormone and your oxytocin. And improves your mood, improves libido, and enhances kind of insulin sensitivity in some studies as well. And then progesterone, which is your calming, soothing hormone, connects with the GABA receptors in the brain. And it can also help to, as an anti-inflammatory as function and a thyroid function as well. They, your own hormones are your own. So it's, a, it's, it's really, really important to track your cycle. If you're not tracking your cycle, there's no way to know for you to know what's what's normal for you. And normal for you may not be normal for Mary down the road. So apps like Clue, Kindara, um, they're really unnatural cycles. Even send out a kit to, to kind of, because your body temperature will raise up around ovulation. So it's really, really important to kind of have that. Because if you're trying to get pregnant, it's trying to get into that fertile window around ovulation that you're gonna get pregnant or will be able to conceive. If you have sex outside of that window, you won't be able to get pregnant, it's that fertile window. So your hormones are gonna fluctuate. Think of it like a heart rate monitor. They're gonna fluctuate at different times. It's like Wayne's gonna fluctuate at different times. It's not necessarily a bad thing. 
they're made in cyclical patterns with ovulation. Ovulation is the key. Okay, so that's really, really the peak of it. And the only way that kind of like babies can be made is around ovulation. So they're going to fluctuate. There's going to be different stages, different intensities of it, different moods, changes. But that's a sign that you could be a little bit more stressed or something else is going on. So I know in the the episode that I did with the amazing Lara Bryden, I'd recommend she has two amazing books, one for women pre 40 years of age and then a perimenopause book. So one's yellow and one's pink. The pink one's under 40, yellow is over 40s. And it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing book. And in the interview that I had with Lara, she talks about the PMS cure. So with PMS and PMDD, so PMDD is a more severe form of PMS. And it can feel like a depressive like and if you have pmdd you need to go to the doctor you need to make sure that you're being looked after that side of things pms is a sign that your body doesn't feel safe and it just feels under attack and it's a it's potentially a lifestyle issue you're just not looking after yourself full and it could be a hormonal internal issue as well and women with pms and pmdd have gaba receptors in the brain that are more sensitive to the ups and downs of progesterone the strategy here is we need to stabilize the GABA receptors and establish kind of like a progesterone, almost resilience side of things. And what can be done there is kind of like looking through the magnesium and vitamin B6, okay? So do not take any of these supplements that I list out without talking to your doctor. I am not a doctor. I am a female health nutritionist and a nutritionist and PT that's done a lot of research but I will not give out medical advice. You need to make sure if you're on medication, antidepressants, some of these should not be used and you need to make sure that it's safe to use them. So in order to help your progesterone as well, there's a thing called Vitex or Agnes Castus that you could use, but and it, it, it kind of helps to soothe PMDD and it's a mild opiate effect. But if you are on antidepressants, you cannot take Vitex. You cannot, C-A-N-N-O-T, take Vitex. So please do not take it if you are on um, antidepressants or else if you feel that your progesterone is slightly off. And I know I've had a few cases of this with clients recently is we, I got them to get their hormones checked and it's a sign that their progesterone is a little bit lower. So there are options there that you may need to, as if potentially if they are aiming towards more of a perimenopausal stage the cycles are irregular mood is a little bit upper and lower so it's important to make sure that your progesterone is at a steady level and you will need to go to the doctor to get those hormones screened if they make you feel uncomfortable then that just say right i'm doing this because i haven't felt myself and if you're not happy with them or they make you feel uncomfortable about getting the hormones checked which i've seen happen i would highly recommend to kind of potentially get a second opinion there are not there are kind of progesterone gels capsules that sort of things and creams and stuff that you can get but your doctor will be able to recommend then for you one of the things that you could be done is kind of reducing the estrogen excess there could be that element of estrogen excess in the body and that could be looking into the sign of like you could have breast tenderness pms irritability that's kind of like it's your beyonce hormone makes him me a little bit more i don't want this to come across as derogatory or gender like you have to be so careful now it makes you a little bit more sassy okay and so what you could do is b6 could help iodine can help to stabilize and then regulate estrogen receptors but if you are someone who has thyroid issues iodine stay away from so you'll need to go to the doctor for these and one of the other thing is around good health 
if you're quite bloated and your digestion slows down the only way for you to get rid of your old cycle is to poo it out so if you're getting bloated and your your digestion slows down you're only going to the bathroom every three days or four days it's a sign you're probably not getting enough fiber and your estrogen is, is kind of like it's wanting to get out of the body but it's not able to because you haven't got enough water you haven't got enough digestion you're completely stressed you're not getting enough fiber into the body so chia seeds veggies fruit like whole grains really really simple tweaks to be made to the diet that can make sure that you are getting rid of that excess estrogen into the body and that's what it generally could be so if your mood is off at a certain time it could be you've got estrogen excess or it could be your progesterone is down that's really really important to do that um so that's what i would recommend on that side of things i would highly recommend to listen to other side of things and go get hormone screened and make sure that you're getting looked after on that side of things as well is it okay to pull back 100% listen to your body your body keeps a scorecard if your body isn't up to it then you have to listen to it so generally what you'll find is and the rules have changed and there's a lot more research being put on it is like the first two weeks post your cycle you feel that you might have and every woman's different on this that you might feel you have more energy and the last two weeks coming up to your cycle you find you have lower energy every woman's different I've seen women who are able to smash the training on a week off and then others that are getting uh, who are a little bit more tired around ovulation it depends it really, really does so keep a scorecard clue c-l-u kindara k-i-n-d-a-r-a or natural cycles are the apps that i would recommend to get or a good old-fashioned pen and paper if you want to go old school is it okay to scale back yeah do 60 70 percent of what you normally would avoid hit sessions aim for whole grain carbohydrates because that will help to kind of stabilize your blood sugars help to stabilize your mood help to stabilize your your appetite um and you may need to kind of reduce your exercise you're not going to lose your progress it's actually probably a better way for you to gain more progress because you're listening to your body and you'll find that when you're fully recovered you'll be able to fully recover and you'll be ready to go what can you do to help with kind of period pain and stuff like that is is a big thing as well and there are a little bit of overlaps and stuff and it there could be normal period pain and mild cramping in the stomach and the lower back some people some women get it around kind of like ovulation in and around that they might feel that little lower twinge that's due to the pelvis ibuprofen if you're on medication make sure you talk to your doctor or your chemist in relation to that you may not be able to take it if you're on blood thinners as well so that might help you and severe period pain could be a sign of something else it could be burning could be throbbing it could be searing it could be stabbing pain it could be a sign of you have endometriosis so if you have severe period pain it's not it's something the body's telling you something on that side of things and it's a, normally an underlying medical condition so how do you actually treat period pain magnesium which i spoke about already and it reduces menstrual cramps and helps to reduce prostaglandins and relaxing the, the kind of like smooth muscle of the actual uterus itself so that will really help you um on that so magnesium you can get a spray you can get the capsule you can get a gel whatever it may be i can use that zinc don't take this without your doctor go to your doctor so you, this helps to reduce prostaglandins and improve blood circulation to the actual uterus itself and in 2015 there was a clinical study done on teenagers and it helped reduce the period pain significantly and it can yeah i need to take it with food because it can cause nausea so sometimes they say about 30 milligrams of daily zinc 
so make sure you're going to the doctor on that to get to, to make sure you're on that and then you can take daily uh, turmeric or curcumin and uh, can help to reduce the prostaglandins and histamine uh, normal period and stuff and can help to lighten periods as well so talk to your doctor magnesium uh, magnesium zinc and turmeric would probably be the recommendations listen to the Lara Bryden episode listen to the female fat loss episode as well and normally give yourself about three months of treatment with those supplements and that will help you um so yeah you won't lose progress you may need to increase your calories up by 300 you may need to go to maintenance you may need to increase your water if you don't feel up for training that's okay like that's fine you may need to potentially there's research showing yoga meditation being centered to yourself goes a long way which i think a lot of people do struggle with including myself so it's it's beneficial for yourself to kind of look at like track your cycle like what's normal for me track that for a few months and see what's normal for you if you're getting severe pms or period pain it could be pmdd it could be endometriosis it could be something else go get your hormones checked it could be too much estrogen it could be too little progesterone if you're on the pill those things will be muted and sometimes the pill may be the body may be rejecting the pills also or coil or whatever it may be so go to your doctor if you're unsure don't take any of the supplements without going to the doctor or your uh, gynecologist or whatever it may be your specialist get your hormones screened is number one and then clue kindara and natural cycles are the apps that i would highly recommend on that side of things so hopefully that helps you won't lose your progress it will actually help you to help you to go further in the long run so then the next question is once we are within our calorie range hitting the protein and fiber does it really matter how much carbs and fat you have do some people get better results with more or less of none or over the other if so how do you find that sweet spot i saw on a story today that reduced carbs overall overall is better overall for belly fat reduction is there a limit to the amount of carbohydrates you should eat daily and still achieve your goal the big question and big thing i would say there is i saw on a story today that reduced carbs is better overall for belly fat reduction that's not what it's at if you've done comparable studies of those who are on lower carbohydrates versus higher protein both have lost the same result have got the same amount of weight loss but the difference is those who who have gone for lower carbohydrates would be that they've lost more muscle mass and the ones that are higher protein would contain more muscle mass and potentially have a more lean more toned physique if they have been consistent with their training and stuff like that so the way i would look at it from a point of view of if you are someone who is starting off on a fitness journey you don't need to worry about this answer if you're someone who is a bodybuilder then there's differentiations between who prefers carbohydrates and who prefers fats i know i prefer carbohydrates and fats but other people will be more fat sensitive and prefer those that's going to be individual to the to the person it's too technical to go down right now into this because it's very very sciencey and it will go over an awful lot of people's heads and that that's not me being derogatory that's me being 100 percent honest there's an episode in relation to the whole thing of like nutrition 101 i would highly recommend for you to listen to that episode and i'll put that into the show notes and i can just take a put that into the notes here so you can listen to that uh, if you want but saying that i saw a story that say reduce carbs over belly overall for belly fat reduction how like it comes down to total amount of calories that you are consuming on a consistent basis if you are consuming too much you're going to put on weight on a consistent basis if you're consuming too little 
or not too little but you're considering less than your body needs at that moment in time then you're going to be in a calorie deficit so you're going to lose weight but one is neither better or the other it's what you can stick to over time rather than trying to be perfect with the perfect amount of fats perfect amount of carbs all that side of stuff i wouldn't probably say most people are beneficial and aiming for a calorie range if they are counting calories it's not like at 1702 calories you're going to stay the same weight and 1703 calories you're going to gain weight that's not what it is so what i would normally recommend is think about like money some people don't like the analogy of money but it's the one that people can relate to if you have two thousand euro to spend on a daily basis it'll be nice but if you have two thousand euro to spend it does not make matter if that's made up of five euros 10 euros or 20 euros it will still add up to two thousand euro it's the exact same of calories okay so if it adds up the total amount of calories that's the sweet point if you're looking to be recover more work on your hunger build more muscle that side of stuff protein's essential fats are essential as well because they help with hormone health they help with immune function carbohydrates are essential for cycle health energy recovery that side of things they all have an essential point of view in the body but saying that we are able to like right, cut the carbohydrates so that it's going to reduce the belly fat it will make you leaner because and it's not the belly fat it's making you leaner because it's going to be less water in the body so if you think of it like carbohydrates like a sponge they hold on to three to four grams of water so generally what will happen is if you're having carbohydrates they'll hold on to the water and that can cause a little bit more water retention or a little bit more bloating on the body but once you take those out and that reduces that kind of like um like most of our bodies are made up of water anyway so if you reduce the carbohydrates that's kind of going to lean us out that little bit more but that's not necessarily belly fat production that's kind of like a little bit less bloating a little bit more less water or hydration in the body which is it's neither pro or con it's just completely up to what you believe and what you want to do would i restrict any of them no that's not my ideology that's not my method if you're a bodybuilder and stuff like that you may have to manipulate your macros with your protein carbohydrates and fats that a little bit more to suit you and that's how i said but if you're starting out in your journey you're causing overwhelm for yourself by trying to manipulate carbs protein timings fats all this kind of stuff get your perfect macros you don't need to you need to aim for it within a calorie range and probably concentrate on your fruit veggies and your protein that little bit more and you'll probably see better results by trying to focus on those three main methods with your nutrition obviously training and walking and stuff like that helps massively like i would say walking is the most underrated tool that you have in your arsenal when you're trying to stay trying to lose weight it really does help kind of like the metabolism side of things it really does help the energy the mood side of things helps with period pain help with pms like it's one of those things that i'd highly recommend everyone to do if you're looking to get strong and bone health and all that kind of stuff well then it's going to ultimately be you're look you're going to be wanting to have protein on side of that and help with your hunger and satiety all that kind of stuff so i would be careful who you're taking the information in from on i saw on a story today that reduced carbs overall is better overall for belly fat reduction so if you've listened to this episode please let me know who that is is there a limit to the amount of carbs that showing someone should eat and still achieve your goal if it's within your calorie range on a consistent basis you will get consistent goals the big thing is the word there is consistency whatever you can stick to
rather than trying to be perfect with I can only have X amount of carbs or grams of carbs a day, I would aim for am I sticking to my calories? Am I getting my protein? Am I getting veggies in? That's the way I would work it. Someone else, some other coach might be able to listen to this and say, right, let's try this method, whatever it may be. That's the philosophy I've taken. Whether it's right or wrong is up to the individual. Whether it's right or wrong for you, that's up to you as well. There's no right or wrong answer or whatever it may be, but it doesn't reduce belly fat production over any other method. The studies would show that. So I would be cautious of who you're taking information from. So the next question is, don't hit zone minutes on my Fitbit when I do your workouts. Does that mean I'm not pushing myself hard enough or should I be using heavier weights? It's a great question. And I think a lot of people think that they, and I think I spoke about this on a Coach's Corner episode with the guys a little while ago and in relation to kind of like Fitbits aren't overly 100% accurate. They're great for getting people moving and stuff, but I wouldn't use it as a heart rate monitor. I wouldn't use it as that side of things. It's not 100% accurate. I would ask yourself, people think that they need to be sweating in order to have a successful workout. That comes down to genetics, that comes down to hydration, that comes down to body temperature, that comes down to hormones, that comes down to temperature of the room, that comes down to how many clothes you're wearing. It comes to so many different factors, who sweats and who doesn't sweat. I don't really sweat. I sweat when I run profusely, but I don't really sweat in the gym. Does that mean I'm working or training or hard enough or not hard enough? That's up to the individual, but I feel I'm making progress with my lifts. I feel I'm making progress with my body composition. So that's enough for me. And that's generally what people should be focusing on is, right, am I progressing my lifts? Am I adding to the bar or am I list adding lifts? Am I, am I adding weight consistently to the bar? Am I adding more reps to the bar? I'm being consistent with things. That's more of a sign of, am I training hard enough? Most people don't train hard enough. And hard enough means you don't have to go to fail, reps to failure all the time. And I've got an episode coming out with uh, Danny Matranga and Bill Campbell who we're going to talk about a little bit more and most people don't trade a failure enough do you have to do it all the time? no so if your last three reps are 7 to 10 difficult and your form is okay and you're not injuring yourself then it's a, that's a better progress are you progressing your body composition are you progressing your are you feeling better in your clothes are you progressing your weights are you progressing your reps well, then that's a much better way of knowing are you training hard enough. The goal of a workout shouldn't be to be that are you sore after every workout. That's literally not what we're trying to do. If you're sore after every workout, that's a sign that you're under-recovering. If you feel that you can't or you're not progressing, that's a sign that you're over either under-recovering or over-training. You're not getting enough sleep or you're, not, you're completely stressed to the absolute hilt and you're not getting your nutrition right before your workouts. So it doesn't mean you're not pushing it hard enough. I know the person, I've had a look at their check-in before recording this, and they're doing pretty damn well with what they were working towards already. It's very early on in what they were trying to do, but they've made massive strides. If you're a beginner, you're going to see more progress more quickly because you've gone from zero to 100. But if you're someone who's been training for over three years, the, the marginal gains are quite marginal and they're not going to be, it's not going to be, it's every rep or every half a kilo of progress in relation to the weights that you are lifting you have to fight for it and so i wouldn't use a fit but i wouldn't use my zones all that kind of stuff i would just go by am i progressing my lifts am i adding more reps am i listening to my body am i getting stressed the next one is is weight gain due to water retention in a heat wave a real thing and if so how can we recover from the weight gain and prevent it in the future 
I was camping all week in 41 plus, plus degree heat, which is the first hot spell we've had this year. No AC or ability to cool off. Cold water ice was really hard to find and no matter how much water we drank, we still felt dehydrated. I noticed my hands and feet were puffy as well. I wasn't able to track food and while we didn't hit the, the fuck it button, I will admit I ate more than I normally would. So I expected to see the scale higher, but it came back at a certain level more than before. Uh, I left for camping. There's no way I ate enough to explain that kind of gain. Even when I eat more on chocolate, I don't gain that quickly. Someone told me this is due to retaining water in a heat wave, but I thought I would have been sweating out any water. So, okay. So it's 100% a real thing, okay? And trying to prevent it is like, from experience, a ball match trying to prevent hair loss. It's like, it's not, it's not possible. It's like trying to stop the weather. So, one of the things you could have done, which you did, increasing the water. One of the other things you could do is to have diorolite to keep your electrolytes up and resetting as soon as you can. Would I, first of all, would I advise to step on scales as soon as you came back from a, an amazing trip with your friends or family? Probably not, because it's not going to be a true reflection. It's, it was always going to go up. Expecting it to go down is like believing in the Easter Bunny. It's not going to go down. It's not a true reflection. It will normalize over a couple of days anyway. It's water weight. It's not fat gain. That's the big thing. Like you would have had to probably have had about an extra 30 to 35,000. If I was to pick a number out of my head, I'm basing that off nothing. An extra 35,000 calories on top of your normal in order to have gained 10 pounds of fat. Now, a Domino's to a medium Domino's pizza is two and a half thousand calories. Now, if I do quick maths, which I'm not going to do, that's a hell of a lot of pizza to get an extra two and a half thousand calories or 35,000 calories in order to gain 10 pounds of fat. Okay, so some people more expand more in the heat. I would be technically, I would be one of those that if I, I know when I've gone over to Asia and travel and stuff like that, my ankles and my hands and my joints and stuff will swell up. It can be a medical thing. It can be a genetic thing. It can be a hydration thing. Some people do, some people don't. Because it people mainly expand because the heat causes the blood vessels to expand or dilate, okay? So the body fluid moves into the hands or the legs by gravity, okay? Then the balance of salt in the body can be a factor too also, so your sodium intake. So if the salt loss is less than normal, the increased salt level draws fluid into the hands and the legs. So I'll repeat that again. If the salt loss is less than normal, the increased salt level draws fluid into the hands and the legs. And some people can get a thing called heat edema. So if you feel you have that and things are sore, body is sore to touch, go to the doctor. Go to the doctor. Taking other things like blood pressure meds, contraceptive pills, hormone therapy, antidepressants or steroids can also play a role. So that could be a factor also. Genetics can also be a factor. There could also be, and I know for the client that sent this message in after reviewing the question and reviewing the check-in, the time of the month was a massive factor. So the time of the month, as I've spoken about in the first question, is it can add a little bit more water retention, a little bit more hormonal stuff, estrogen excess or whatever it may be into the body. And that could cause a little bit more blowing and, and explain the weight gain. But it's not fat gain, it's weight gain. So it's... If you know when you when you if you know when you track your cycle that 
things go up and down when they go up and down generally compare your like week your like week with your like week week one of your cycle post bleeds to week one of your cycle post bleed the next month week two week two week three week three week four week four and so on and so on you'll know a trend you'll spot a trend so i i would ask this person and generally go through it right is have you got any of those and where are you on your cycle and the answer was i'm on my cycle and that's a massive factor that could cause i've seen clients go up 12 15 pounds on times of the month so that could be a massive massive play a role there it's you're saying that you're sweating it out and stuff like that but the body will go into safety mode and protect things and all that kind of stuff doesn't matter if you're sweating sweating's down to your heat it doesn't matter if you're sweating on that side of things what you could do if you're struggling with kind of heat edema is raising your legs or the solar area on a chair or pillows when you can get some gentle exercise like walking that side of things improve your blood flow wear wide comfortable shoes like a whole low heel soft soft sole and go from there really but is it normal yes if you feel it's sore to touch or you're worried about it go to the doctor if you it could also be your cycle related i would always question that if you know how your body works for you you could also be down to genetics it could be down to hydration it could be down to sodium levels it could be down to certain medications or hormone therapy or contraceptive pill that medicines that could be at play as well so it's kind of if you're worried about it go to the doctor and that's my always my advice on these side of things i'm not a doctor i can only give advice where i feel i can i won't just go the questions i ignore or not ignore but i give back but the big thing is i would probably say well why do we step in the scales afterwards we know it's going to be up on your and our mood gets and our, some people's moods can get impacted by the scales i think all people's get moods get impacted by the scales you just have to know the metric you just have to know what's going on so hopefully those help you on that side of things so the bloating the pms i would highly recommend listening to episode 51 uh 143 i think is the female fat loss episode the lara bryden episode the ashley o'kelly episode then in relation i'll put the, some of these episodes into the show notes the calorie range be careful where you get your information from the hip the kind of like the fitbits side of things yeah you need to look at where you're progressing and stuff and then the weight gain due to water retention if you're worried go to the doctor hopefully what i've explained for you is is enough there on that side of things so if you've enjoyed the episode tag me up in your story if you have any questions on what i've sent over spot me a dm and i'll happy to help you on that side of things but i think right now yeah some great questions so i'm looking forward to these i love doing these q a's so if you are interested in kind of continuing on or work on myself in relation to a one-to-one capacity or join the female loss female fat loss program which is starting on so everyone's getting the program on friday starting on the 7th pop me a message or click on the link and we'll get you set up and we'll go from there so six weeks um of amazing coaching basically so hopefully you guys have enjoyed that episode